Adam and John Nolan was back on our show. So excited to speak with John again. We had John Nolan on the podcast very early on, pre-pandemic. We interviewed him when Taking Back Sunday was doing the 20-year anniversary tour when they had the coin and they flipped it and they'd play Tell All Your Friends and then either Ladder Now or Where You Want to Be, you know, that tour. Anyway, we had a chance to chat with John and Sean of Taking Back Sunday at that point. So you can hear the backstory on both Sean and John and how Taking Back Sunday formed uh, all in that interview, one of the early ones. I think it's episode like five or four or five. But now that we're in a virtual world, we had a chance to chat with John Nolan over Zoom video about Straylight Run and the new live record that the band has put out. John Nolan talks to us about where he grew up and how he got into music. He grew up in the church and was fascinated by the guitar player in the church band. And that's what really sparked his interest in guitar. He started playing guitar around 15 years old, picked up piano shortly thereafter that, and has always been writing songs. He told us about the first bands he was in, performing a song that he wrote for the first time, which was at a talent show. He went in to do a uh, Temple of the Dog cover, but I got shut down. He'll tell you the story about that, which is pretty funny. That band went on for a while. John talks to us about joining Taking Back Sunday, and he gets really more into detail on that in the first interview we did. But during this interview, we talk a lot about Stray Light Run and this live album that they've put out. The live album was recorded in 2005, but we talk about the formation of Stray Light Run, that first record, the first tour they did. Actually, I have a picture with John from their very first Stray Light Run tour. I show it to him on the camera. So if you have the video version, you'll see the picture. It's pretty funny. It's from like November 2003 or something like that. They played with New Amsterdam's in San Diego. But he talks to us about that first demo, releasing the first Stray Light Run record, and why it took so long to put out this live album and their original plan for the release of it. You can watch our interview with John Nolan on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Straylight Run. So this, this podcast is about you, uh, your journey in music. We are, you told me a little bit about it uh, in that first interview. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to talk to you about Stray Light Run and, and putting out this live record that was, what, shelled for 15 years or so? Yeah, uh, since 2005. So I don't know where that puts us now, like 16 years maybe. Wow. I want to see if I can share my screen with you real quick. I just want to show you this picture. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, yeah. Hang on. Can you see it? Oh yeah. This is when from is that from this is this is from two thousand three, the first Stray Light Run tour that came through San Diego. You guys played with New Amsterdam's. Oh, hold on a second. Oh man. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. That's a very long that was I think our first that was our first tour. Yeah, I think it was the first time you guys toured. And yeah, you came through with New Amsterdam's and you played this little club called the uh, Epicenter in San Diego. It's not even a thing anymore. <laughs> I remember that place. You, it you, was, played there with, uh, you played there with yeah, Taking we, Back Sunday too. Yeah, we played there a lot in the early, uh, I think up till 2005 or so. It was not a great place. Uh, that was not a place that I was very sad to see go. <laughs> sure. Unfortunately. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest venue in town for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it did have some cool bands. Yeah, I saw you guys there with Rufio. You did a, one of the earlier Taking Back Sunday tours. You put there with Rufio. 
Yeah, yeah, probably in 2002. Yeah, ish, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, dude, I'm so excited to, to chat with you. Um, real quick, so you're born in Baltimore, and you were there until, what, three or so? That's right, yeah. Okay. Born in Baltimore, and then you moved into Long Island? I moved to Long Island, yeah, to um, uh, Freeport, New York, okay. which is on Long Island. And what was it like Baldwin. growing up there? Um, it's pretty standard suburbs. Um, it's about a 45 minute drive or less or more, depending on traffic to New York city train is about the same. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty standard suburban type upbringing and, uh, Long Island, at, at least that area is just sort of, um, wall to wall suburbs for you know miles and miles it doesn't start clearing out till you go like way out east about an hour from where i live so it's okay. yeah, just, just suburbs on top of suburbs sure with the train access were you able to get into new york frequently or not really or was that something um, you didn't really do um somewhat yeah that that was one of the things that was really great about living there um you know like when i was a kid i would go to the Museum of Natural History in New York City, which is a great place uh, as a kid to be able to visit. Sure. And um, and uh, when I was getting to be older, like a, a younger teenager, my uncle would uh, take all of his nieces and nephews out to, to operas occasionally in the city. And that was always like a real exciting thing. And, you know, something I think that, was pretty unique to being that close to New York city. And, you know, it wasn't like we would be in the city a ton, but, uh, mm -hmm. it definitely was, was a part of my, my life, you know, that's cool. When you do a show, if you attend an opera, do you have to like dress up? It's probably like a, it's like a big thing, right? Like a pretty fancy affair. Yeah, we would have, we would, I think dress up sort of in probably like church clothes. Okay. I, my, my guess looking back on it is that we were probably, sort of frowned on by the other regular opera theater goers, you know, because gotcha. we were ranging in age from, you know, like 10 or 11 to 14. And uh, I'm sure. Not appreciating our, it as much as some of the other people there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think probably our etiquette was just totally <laughs> off because you don't really know how to behave in those situations. But I always loved it. I, I particularly liked watching the orchestra, that was the big thing. I would really like pay attention to that. I, mm -hmm. it, that was always uh, very interesting to me. In our last chat, you talked about being kind of drawn to the guitarist in the, in the church. You grew up with the church, right? Yeah. Yeah. And is that kind of what pulled you in the way of, I mean, as far as being interested in playing guitar? Yeah, that was my first introduction to it. Um, yeah. The, the church that I went to, it was a kind of would have a band that, you know, that played worship songs. And that was the first time I played guitar was learning those songs. And uh, the, the guy who played guitar in the worship band also taught me a lot about guitar. And, uh, and really, I think there was another person too. There, it, a lot of the first people that, that taught me stuff were, were in, in the church when I was about 15, 16. Okay. I've, I've heard that before, though, like people playing in the church or really getting involved in music through the church because 
not only you have an audience, right? I mean, you're already playing yeah. in front of people right away. It's not like you're taking years to get out and then playing in some bar with five people. You're playing in front of a, a fairly big crowd right away. Did you play in the church yeah. band at all? I did. Yeah. I, they let me play pretty quickly, which was very cool of them. And I, it was, I was definitely not good enough to be playing in front of people yet. I was, I probably was playing for a year uh, and they started letting me play and, you know, and, but our church was pretty small too. It was on average about uh, 20 people there every Sunday. So mm -hmm. it was a pretty low pressure situation, you know, and uh, that is probably why a lot of people end up learning in, in, in a church scenario. Cause you know, it's also, it's, it's a worship thing. So people are, generally more forgiving about sure. you know making mistakes because it's not really supposed to be about having an amazing performance so uh it's a good place to learn how to how to play in front of people mm -hmm. was guitar the first instrument you learned how to play yeah uh we okay. always had a piano in my house and i would mess around with it but i i didn't know how to play it i would kind of sit down and and try to play things by ear but i I didn't actually learn about piano till a couple of years after learning guitar. Oh, okay. So it's just something that what transferred over fairly easily. I mean, I mean, piano is a difficult instrument, but learning guitar, it was, a, you started to hear notes and chords and you were able to kind of go over and tinker more on the piano at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing was what I did with piano, um, Again, with the church songs, a lot of times the way they did it is they would have the words with just the chords over the parts oh, where you had okay. to change. And um, then I started learning the chords on the piano. And uh, so once you learn that, you can kind of sit down with anything at least basic, like some of those easier worship songs and just mm -hmm. play play by the chords and following and so that that's where i started out once i knew guitar it was it wasn't that hard to transfer the you know reading chords and messing around on piano with it it's like kind of like a tablature thing where i would say like a for over the the words and then have like a b if it changed that chord progression or whatever the next note would be yeah yeah it's just the words all written out and show the chords are over the word where the chord change happens sure. oh, okay that's cool. You had a piano in the house. Did your parents play at all? Um, my mom always played piano and she was always in the, the worship groups. And she, so she would sing and play piano um, for my whole life. She's still, she still does. Oh, wow. Is it professionally or she just did it as something to do at church or? No, it was, it was always in the church. Um, she would do some things sometimes, uh, she did something in, in nursing homes where she would go and that was kind of outside the church and, mm -hmm. and sing and, and, and the church would go out and do some more performance things. It was more like, a, like evangelical kind of like trying to go out to a park or something and, mm -hmm. you know, get people to come listen to music and then you preach to them. And um, so th that was a little more like a concert thing. So she would do that and, and I would do that to oh, okay. uh which always felt a little more like a performance than than being at, at church sure that's cool so you guys would go out to different locations and set up and, and perform for people yeah that's awesome so 15 you said you got the guitar how old were you when you started learning 
Um, not too long after I got the guitar. I, I think I got serious somewhere between 15 and 16. Okay. And were you always writing your own songs or were you trying to learn other songs, cover songs? Um, I did both, uh, but pretty quickly I wanted to use it to write songs. And uh, I'm not even sure why, but I just kind of instinctively wanted to write songs. So basically at the beginning, I would learn how to play other people's songs and then try to like write my version uh, of uh, okay. those songs or use the things I learned from those songs to like write a song myself. You know? Have you, I mean, you must have always had like a knack for writing or creative writing. I mean, your lyrics are so good. I mean, just yeah. what you guys put out and, and the, the lyrics that you write and everything straight light runs done in your solo projects. Was that something that you have always been pretty good at or always interested in as far as creative writing? Yeah, I've always been interested in it. Um, I, I think when I was starting writing songs, I, I think I was probably good for um, my age and for just starting out. You know, like now, if, if I was to look at some of the lyrics and some of the, the ideas I had, it would be pretty embarrassing. But, but I think really for just kind of starting out with no frame of reference, I, I had some kind of knack for it. Um, I think a lot of the stuff with writing that helped me was um, I was always uh, a, a big reader when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I started reading pretty young and was like really into it. So I, I read a whole lot, um, you know, from being five years old to a teenager. So I think most of what I learned about writing, I just picked up from reading because I, I wasn't particularly good at writing in school or and I was okay at creative writing, but um, I think I, anything I knew about how to write a song came from reading basically. Oh, interesting. And yeah. with, with that, what do you remember showing your, you know, some of your song for the first time? Like, was that in a band setting? Cause you talked about playing in the church band, but obviously you're playing those songs that are already there for you, but you start playing your own music that you've written. What was the, when was that? Uh, time period for you like did you start a band first or were you writing these songs and then showing them to people um there was a couple of things I had going I think the first time I wrote songs I recorded them on a just a tape recorder mm -hmm. and I think played them for my parents and um they were they were always supportive and uh you know, and, and encouraging. So that, that was helpful. I, Cause I think that was the first time I played a song I wrote for anybody. And then after that, there was a kid I met at church who was a drummer and he was actually like really good for, for that age. Uh, you know, he was a little older than me, but he was in bands in his school and they were like, well, at least in my mind, they were pretty serious cause they would get they would on the weekends like play shows at, at bars and stuff. And uh, they were kind of in this network of other bands from there, from his high school. But I would just get together with him, just the two of us and me playing guitar. And that was the first time I played songs with another person. And um, so that, that got me going. And then later in high school, I put together a band with my friends to, to do the talent show. Oh, wow. And, and um, we found a guy in, in our class who was a good drummer. And then I taught my friend 
to play bass and I kind of showed my other friend some guitar stuff and he started learning on his own and we basically put it together like they they learned so that we could be in a band together basically and uh (laughs) so and that was kind of funny because we had a talent show and this was it was a christian school like very conservative christian and um we wanted to play hunger strike by temple of the dog (laughs) what a choice that's a good one (laughs) yeah i I loved that so i still love that that's a great Um, song yeah it was actually very hard to do the chris cornell part which I think I was oh. trying to do. It's very high. I can imagine. <laughs> I still don't think I can sing that part. Um, but what the, but what happened though is uh, our parents or some of our parents, my parents included, heard the song that we wanted to play, and they told us we weren't allowed to play it because it was like socialist propaganda. <laughs> And uh, I didn't really understand what they were talking about. I was like, I, I don't know. It just sounds like a song about like wanting to uh, help out other people and like right. not wanting to like take more than your share when other people are starving. And that sounds like a good thing to me. Right, right. Uh, which maybe was the first glimpse of like where I would start splitting off uh, politically from <laughs> my parents and church. Um, so they told us we couldn't play the song. So instead I decided to teach the, teach our friends a song that I wrote and it actually came together pretty quickly. Wow. And that was, I think the first time I, we performed uh, a song that that I wrote. That's a bold move though, to do that in front of your, all of your peers. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. the first time you're going to play a song in front of people, not only, you're going to do that for the first time, but it's going to be a song that you wrote and yeah, yeah. Now you've got to take the criticism or you got to go to school with these people for the rest of the year and the next few years. Was, was that even a yeah. thought in your mind? Um, no, it's kind of weird. Like I, I would be nervous when I was playing in front of people, of course, but I didn't really care what, what people thought that much about, about my songs. Um, like I said, I just wanted to write songs very instinctively and it very immediately just felt like an outlet and something that I could do that I enjoyed and felt good and like um, made me happy. And it it was weird. Like I didn't really um, give that much thought to whether people were going to think it was good or not. And um I think as I kept going, I kind of realized that I wasn't a great singer and people generally wouldn't say positive things about my voice when I was starting out. And so then I was kind of like, okay, well, people don't like my singing voice and that's fine. And uh, I, I kind of just was like, again, thought about it more about what I enjoyed about doing it and less about, you know, what people thought that's a great outlook actually i mean especially as a young kid to have you know the confidence to be like you know i don't really care what (laughs) what you think of me i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) yeah that was generally my attitude and and mostly my attitude throughout the rest of my life i would say it's a great attitude to have um with with that band did you guys do anything outside of that one performance or we did actually um we kept we kept going and we recorded an album 
a year later, actually, and my, my girlfriend at the time ended up being the singer for the band eventually because partially because um, the other guys didn't like my singing voice very much. <laughs> um, and I was happy to have my girlfriend in the band. And uh, so and then I would sing some songs and um, our bass player would sing some songs who uh, incidentally ended up being um the singer for brand new it was oh uh, okay Jeff yeah Jesse we Lacey. went to school together so, oh i didn't realize that you guys went to high school together we did yeah oh, okay um so we actually went to, to elementary school through high school together wow so he would sing some songs i would sing some songs and my girlfriend would sing most of them uh and we recorded an album of like 11 songs that we we raised money by, um, we kind of did uh, like analog uh, Kickstarter or uh, one of those go, well, like I don't know, go fund. Basically, yeah. we got people to pay for the the CD before we recorded it, like our friends and like parents. Wow. And parents, friends. So, you know, like we wrote this whole thing up and, and got people to, uh, you know, pay $10 or whatever it was. Like pledge. Yeah, basically they gave us they gave us the money and we That's promised rad. to record a CD and uh, and get it to them and and we did it. So and then we yeah we kept playing all through the rest of high school and we would play shows here and there. We we didn't do a ton. It would mostly be like church basements and things like that. But uh-huh. yeah, we we went for it. Is do you have that CD by chance? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. It's, I would love uh, to hear that. I can imagine you should release that. Is that well, out it's, anywhere? It's on. It's on the internet now. It is. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. It's the band was called Goodmunder Bjornson. Uh, probably should have been pronounced Bjornson, but we didn't really know anything. Um, I forget where it is. Uh, it, but you you can find it now. I I actually put it out because I saw a bunch of brand new fans were. Uh, someone was selling it on eBay and a bunch really? of brand new fans were, were trying to get it and they were going to pay like $150 for the CD. I would pay $150 for that CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess people would. And, uh, and I saw that though. And I was like, this is not, it's not worth $150 to hear our high school band, uh, basically learning how to write and record music. Um, at, at 17 so i just um i put it up on some like soundcloud or something okay I'm... and then i think from there somebody downloaded it and put it up in other places so it's around oh man internet. i know i'm listening to that right after we get off of this call that's amazing yeah maybe you can include a link with the podcast or something oh i would love to do that um, that's, that's a great idea <laughs> but it, it is it's pretty embarrassing um really i i didn't want it to be out there necessarily it's i'm not it's not like oh i'm so proud of this thing and i wanted everyone to hear it but i just really didn't want people to be spending so much money on this you know little project we did uh 30 years ago sure but i mean that people fans of yours obviously fans of brand new um or well fan myself included or will get a huge kick out of hearing that (laughs) I mean, that's yeah. really cool. And so obviously that band 
that ran its course. And then from that, man, was that when taking, when you joined taking back Sunday or taking back Sunday kind of got together? Um, no, it, it took a little while for me to find taking back Sunday. I was kind of, um, so our band, we kept going for the summer after high school. Okay. And I, I actually decided that I wanted to be in a band, um, for a living. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't go to college and I got a job uh, working for my dad who would do um, upholstery repair in cars. Mm -hmm. And I, big part of the reason I did that is because it was his company and I could kind of make my own hours. If I needed to take a day off, it was not a big deal. I only made money for like what i did basically sure. it wasn't like an hourly thing so if i didn't work uh for a day or two i just didn't make money okay. so I, I could do stuff with the band with bands when i needed to the thing was though i didn't have any prospect of making it in a band at that point you know i just had the high school band who hadn't done very much and so what was what happened then was it was about three years i would say maybe a little more of um just kind of like starting a band with anybody that i knew who wanted to start a band mm -hmm. and playing music with as many people as i could and eventually that led to taking back sunday wow and in the beginning you guys had a different singer too right i mean antonio we did, yeah. a guy named antonio was a singer yeah and i got in the band um through him we actually started a band he was in my church and i went to school with him for a little bit too um and we started a band together where um i would we both sang and um we got to we started to play some shows like in that scene um like the long island kind of punk uh -huh. emo scene whatever and um and then he knew eddie from taking back sunday and eddie was starting the band and asked him to join as the singer and he suggested me as a guitar player. Wow. Do you guys have recordings of that, those sessions too? We do, yeah. We, we made CDs of that and we recorded a, a full length again, which is also, it's, it's on the internet. Gosh, I didn't, um, do enough, I didn't do enough digging for these early, early recordings yet. <laughs> yeah, well, all that stuff is kind of like, um, it's just people putting it on youtube or something right, right? and i think the, the high school band uh so you know you can find it you just kind of have to i think know where to look that's interesting i didn't because last time we spoke uh, uh sean was there too and he was telling us a story about how he wouldn't have really even made it in the band if if antonio didn't move or leave and then adam moving over because mm -hmm. adam played bass and yeah, he, I guess he wanted to join the band in the beginning and he was friends with Mark and he was like, no, man, like these guys take this too seriously. Like you are too much of a flake type yeah. thing to, to do it. <laughs> and yeah. then when Adam moved over, he got a chance to play. That's exactly right. That's cool. Well, you told us, I mean, in that other interview about, you know, signing to Victory Records and how, you know, huge of an accomplishment that was and. And to get off of the Taking Back Sunday, you know, part of your journey, I, I want to know about like forming Straylight Run with your sister in the band. Had you ever written with her prior to starting Straylight Run? 
No, no, we didn't really ever play music together before that, which is kind of funny. Um, she had learned piano. Uh, I think she took piano lessons as a kid and, you know, knew how to play. She was learning guitar or a little bit before Stray Light Run started. She was starting to get more serious about learning guitar. Mm -hmm. um, but she didn't even really write songs until a year or two before Stray Light Run started. Wow. She, she always sang. And, you know, like I said, we play piano. She sings on some songs on uh, the first Taking Back Sunday album, like yeah. some background vocals. She sings on two of the tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... She was always, you know, kind of um, into singing and playing music, but she didn't really write songs. And then she started and I started hearing her songs and uh, I was really uh, surprised and impressed. She, she I, I feel like had a, a, a knack for it and picked up a lot of stuff about songwriting pretty quickly. And so I was starting Stray Light Run and... Um, at the time we were actually living, I was living with her and a bunch of other people in a house. And so I was starting the band and, and getting things going. It was just me and Sean like recording demos. And mm -hmm. uh, she was recording these demos at home that I was hearing. And um, so, yeah, I just uh, asked her if she'd want to join the band. And she, she started recording with us and, and practicing with us. And that was that. Wow. So did you guys kind of merge your songs together to create, you know, what became that first record or how, how did that first record kind of come together? Um, a lot of times on the first album, actually, really, I think everything, it was pretty much like if I was singing a part, it was something I had made up and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the songs that she sang, she had written Oh, okay. you know, the lyrics and the melodies and the chord progression and, and same for me. And then there were some songs where she would sing a part on, you know, something that I had largely written, but kind of come up with her own part for, you know, either a, a, a bridge or an ending or something. Uh, I think Sympathy for the Martyr, the last song on the, the first album was kind of the most collaborative out of any of those songs because uh, mm -hmm. Sean wrote the music um i wrote like the first couple of verses and chorus and then michelle wrote the ending part so that was one where everything kind of came together but for the most part it would be like her or i wrote lyrics melody chord progression and brought it to the band and you know oh, okay. and then would sing it oh okay that's interesting that it took you guys so so long to you know collaborate or, or create something together yeah yeah it is it is weird and funny <laughs> that's it worked out obviously um i did hear a story and i i don't know if this is true or not i heard that when you guys recorded the taking talking about her singing on the tell all your friends album uh when she went into the booth and recorded so, like your parents were there all your guys's parents were there and somebody made a comment like why isn't she singing for your band <laughs> <laughs> That sounds that sounds right. I don't remember it specifically, but when, I, that's one of those things that uh, rings true for sure. Yeah. And definitely with uh, our parents, they were always, especially at the beginning of Taking Back Sunday. Um, I again, like, I think we're all supportive, but I don't think they enjoyed the sound of it at all. And then oh, you know, to hear Michelle's like pretty voice and then they're like, oh, that well, that's something I, I enjoy. Why don't you do that? 
Right. That's awesome. Um, was it hard to, when you put that first record out, did you feel like a lot of pressure? Like you have to, you know, you have something to prove. I mean, you're in taking back Sunday had really started to take off at this point and, and you start this new band and, and you, you know, you come out the gate and the, the record is awesome. Was that like a pressure of yours? Or is that one of those things, like you said earlier, like you didn't really even care. <laughs> um, with, with the first album, I was a little bit nervous about how well it would be received, but we had put a five song demo out before that. We did that pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just free. We put it on the internet and um, that was very well received. And I think, um, yeah, but the, the time that when you saw us in 2003, I don't think we were actually out. Yeah, right. It was not out. We were touring basically off of those five demo songs that people had heard. And, um, you know, we weren't wildly successful from that, but, you know, we were bringing some people out and doing all right with basically nothing uh, to, to sell at, at that point. And uh, so that gave me that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, that the batch of songs we had for the first album also gave me a lot of confidence. I felt, uh, I felt like they were all really strong songs and we had a, a strong album. And then it was kind of like the only thing I was nervous about was, you know, how many people would, would buy it basically. I do remember that now. I, I, I forgot that the record until you said that, that it wasn't out yet. It was just those demo songs that were up online that people could listen to. And yeah. a friend of mine who's in that photo, he's on the other side of you with the beard. He was like one of those early adopters of like finding stuff out on the internet and like finding <laughs> songs and bands. And I remember he's wanted to go to Coachella to see the killers and they were like the first band on the, on the list. And they he obviously, yeah. Blew up, but yeah, he's one of those guys. And he was mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, John Nolan's new band. And we had all listened. We had the, we like somehow recorded it and burned it onto a CD and, and we're at the right. show and you guys didn't have anything to sell. And I have the, yeah. it's packed away, but I have the ticket stub and you and your sister both signed it because <laughs> that was the yes. only thing that like we could, I could get you to, there was nothing else there. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think we, I think we might've had one shirt. If I really, remember, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it might've been sold out by the time you made it to San Diego. It's possible. <laughs> or yeah. Or we were like waiting to get them shipped because we had gone on tour before we got shirts made. I don't remember, but yeah, we didn't have much to sell. Didn't really have much to promote except for the fact that we were a band mm -hmm. and we existed. <laughs> that was about it. That's funny. Um, it, yeah. It's pretty crazy actually looking back on it. Um, it seemed like a long time between taking back Sunday and straight light run, but um, looking back, it's, it's insane. Cause I think Sean and I left taking back Sunday in like April or May of 2003. Mm -hmm. And by like October of 2003, straight light run had recorded a five song demo and was on tour. Already. Wow. So yeah, like in my mind, that time felt like a year, but it was probably about four months or something, you know, because oh, it's you, crazy. Yeah, that is crazy because it was pretty quickly that it was like, okay, he's not in the band anymore. And then it's like, oh, and now he's got this other project. And, and then it, yeah. sure enough, you came around town really quickly after that, which is amazing. Um, yeah. And so this, this new, well, let's talk about this live record that you guys are putting out. This is from a show from what, 2005? 
2005. Yeah. So it was prepared to be wrong. Was I already out at this point or you had, you know, it was, it was was about to come out. Um, I think we were, we had just finished recording it actually and mixing it. So we were ready on our end with it, but I think it was still like six months away from coming out, which now looking back on it again, was kind of a little bit of a crazy thing because we played, I think almost every song from, um, from that EP at this, this, live show um and uh so yeah it wasn't out yet but it was a big part of that set that's crazy and so i was just trying to i I saw the set list i just found it online um i was wondering if you did the the dylan cover and how did that one come about on that album because i love that cover that's amazing thanks um you know what we actually did perform it and we decided to leave it off this album because of uh, basically just like uh, getting the rights to. Uh, oh, okay. so you did it. do it at that show. So we, we did actually. Yeah. The other thing too, was to me listening back. Um, there was a lot of slow songs in our set, a lot of like mid tempo to slow songs. And that one is like six plus minutes long and pretty slow. And uh, mm-hmm. a little bit in retrospect, I felt like, uh, we need to keep keep the pace up a little bit more, <laughs> but um, we recorded that one for the EP. Um, I was pretty late to Bob Dylan. I I didn't start really listening to his albums until like two thousand three ish. But once I got into it, um, I I really got in, and I basically started at the beginning of his catalog and started working my way through his whole discography but uh with god on our side is from one of the earlier albums and Mm -hmm. uh i felt like it still uh rang true and and there was a lot that that song had to say in the current uh situation Uh, it wasn't too long after when we were recording that it wasn't too long after the uh the war in iraq started Mm -hmm. i mean it had probably been going on for a little while but it was getting to be the point where um it was pretty clear that it was going to be dragging on for a very long mm-hmm. time and maybe had uh, been uh, a bad idea in a lot of ways uh, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. Um, but so, so for me it kind of felt like, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good statement for the time. And uh, it, uh, I also felt like I had to come up with a cool way to um, make the song worth doing. Cause I, you know, I felt like, if you're going to do a Bob Dylan song, you can't just like sit down and play on an acoustic guitar the way he did. You have to kind mm-hmm. of try to bring something new to the table. And I, I felt like we figured out a way to. Sure. And you had multiple, cause it wasn't just you singing or it was like you and your sister singing. Like you had an, other voices on the, on the recording yeah. too. Yeah. And I think Jeff DeRosa maybe sang a verse on it. I can't remember actually, but I think he does. He was um, Michelle's husband. And yeah, he was in a band called the exit at the time and he's in uh, dropkick murphy's now uh but at the time he was kind of doing a little stuff with us here and there and i, I think he might have sang a verse and then michelle sang a verse and i sang a couple yeah that's cool and um with well going back to this this live show so did you guys you knew ahead of time you were going to do it like there's tell me about this the whole thing you like filmed it or like what was the build up yeah. why was it this particular show what was like the back story to it? 
So the whole idea was we were going to put on a show that was a lot more elaborate than what we had been doing. Um, we did, I think, four songs, three or four songs with a live string section, like a quartet. And um, we had, uh, I think, two or three songs with uh, with uh, ball ballet dancers uh, oh, wow. on stage. And I think the idea was we're going to do this thing at a, a, a bigger scale than we ever have before and put out a DVD. And then um, I think initially we kind of thought we might take that show on the road, you know, and, and make that kind of thing our a tour out of that. And um, so that was that was the idea. We the whole thing was set up just to record and release a DVD of it. And yeah. And then I think kickstart something else touring wise. Mm -hmm. So you had dancers and everything during this performance? We did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then the footage, you guys scrapped the footage or something happened with the footage? We scrapped the footage. So the whole thing was, it was really disappointing. Uh, it's like one of those things in retrospect that I think we could have easily avoided. And I think we were maybe a little bit too hands-on with everything. We didn't have a tour manager. Our manager was in LA and had like his assistant come out. Um, but we like did everything we got the dancers going ourselves we got the string players arranged and rehearsed with them ourselves and mm -hmm. then it came and then we got the guy who had shot the existentialism video to film it oh, okay. and then we're in this big beautiful theater and uh while we were sound checking before the show he says he's like this place is amazing i want to get a lot of shots of it while you guys are playing um and if the lights are down in the house, you're not going to be able to see any of this theater. And uh, it also might be too dark on stage for me to get good, uh, good footage of you guys during the performance. And again, nothing. we didn't have a lighting person. We just had the house lighting guy. So we were kind of like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It was, it was amazing. There's a giant chandelier hanging above people wow. like, um, and it was a theater that probably was, you know, over a hundred years old. And so we were like, yeah, I think that that makes sense. Yeah. But I guess we'll keep the lights up and, and they had lights going, but it was basically, you know, the, when you first go into a venue and the house lights are up, mm -hmm. it was like that for the whole show. And then when we saw the footage, you know, for the first song or two, it's like, oh, okay, this looks cool. This looks good. But then by the third or fourth song, there's no light show. Nothing is changing, you know? Um, mm. And by the fifth or sixth song, you're, you're just, you're just seeing us on a well-lit stage. And it kind of was like, it kind of looked like a sound check would, you know? And, mm. and yeah, there was some beautiful shots of the theater and like what he filmed did look good, but, the yeah once we were watching it it's like we can't have 14 songs of just like plain lighting where nothing about the look of the stage changes uh -huh. the entire time and we should have known that uh you know we'd all been around long enough and you, you watch a show and you know the lights are a big part of what makes it interesting to look at but we uh just didn't didn't think it through and, and we watched it one time and we were just like we can't put this out 
like this mm-hmm. and uh and pretty much that was that and it was it was a huge bummer because everything was lined up to come out we had the audio and it sounded really good and uh they were the plans were even made i think they even put out like promos on like victory made promos for the show uh that were like video where that had some video footage and uh it was all lined up and we just felt like we can't put it out because it was just subpar Mm-hmm. And uh, in retrospect, I don't know if we had put it out as it was, if people would have just been like, oh, it's good, but you know, it's the lighting is a little boring. Or if people would have been like, what the hell is this? This is ridiculous. I, I don't know how people would react, but to us, it felt like we just couldn't put it out like that. That was a full DVD. And you had the string section and the, the dancers and everything. Yeah, we did. And I guess that did keep it a little more interesting, but. Again, it was a long set. It was like an hour and 20 minutes. So okay. it was a lot to just uh, watch just, you know, plain lighting. And it was also in the days before, uh, you know, now you might think that you could put that into some kind of editing program maybe and mm-hmm. maybe change some things in that to keep it interesting. But, you know, it's 2005 and, you know, I think those options were pretty limited. So it just... Sure. We, we just scrapped it, unfortunately. And, you know, again, I, I don't know if it was the right move. And it's one of those things I've thought about probably way too much over the years, like uh, wh- whether or not we should have uh, done something with it instead of scrapping it. But, you know. Is the footage yeah. still somewhere or it's just It's gone? somewhere, but I have no idea where. Because we oh. gave it, it, it the, the guy who filmed it had all the footage. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he back in, in those days, he had sent us a VHS tape of it to watch the edit. That, that mm-hmm. was how you had to do things in 2005. Yeah. And we were immediately unhappy with it. And we just talked to our management about it. And they talked to the guy and told him, but we didn't really talk to him anymore. And uh, we just oh. moved on. And so he probably either threw the stuff out or has him in a box somewhere. But I don't think we ever did anything with him or saw him again after that. Uh, so it's probably gone. I was going to say there could be a rad couple of videos, I'm sure, in there, like some little yeah. vignette it, pieces of it that you can make into a couple little videos. Yeah, it, it definitely would be cool for three or four songs. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the dancers and the string set. Did you ever bring that on the road then or no? No, that was, was another just that thing. one show. Another thing that was a disappointment was not putting out the dvd kind of uh i think discouraged us from doing that live show we also started looking at the logistics traveling with four string players and six ballet dancers um you know and it was one of those things where we were just like well we're gonna have to pay for a second tour bus basically Mm -hmm. for all these people and uh is this really going to be worth it and then the dvd wasn't out there with all that stuff so we didn't follow through on that which again it was it's kind of a regret because i i do think a little bit now it's like it might have helped to just do a tour like that and possibly like break even or even maybe lose a little bit of money Mm -hmm. but put on this bigger show that would you know really blow people away instead of just going back out and doing the same thing we'd always been doing for the past two years you know 
Well, there's never, there's still time. I'm just saying <laughs> you, you can do the tour and people will be blown away and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. So the audio obviously is amazing. And when, why do you, when do you stumble upon this footage? Like what sparked the, let's put this out. Um, well, I've had it on my computer since we recorded it. Um, so it's just been sitting in like my iTunes you know, this whole time. And I think, I think it was the pandemic probably that got me thinking about it because, mm -hmm. you know, usually I've just been, been too busy with taking back Sunday stuff. Sure. And then I've, when I've had time, uh, downtime from that, I've really wanted to do, uh, yeah, my, keep my solo stuff going. Mm -hmm. And so, the Straylight Run, anything related to Straylight Run is just kind of taking a back seat in my mind. But, you know, I had all this downtime because of the pandemic and I decided to revisit it on the computer and I listened through it. And I was like, this is surprisingly good. I had no idea if it would sound, if it would hold up after I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I thought, well, we can just put it out on the Internet. And that's what we did because I, I was like, I, I didn't really think we needed to get into a whole big thing of pressing vinyl and trying to sell it. And I just figured we could put this out there easily and quickly and do it for a good cause, you, you know, and uh, so that's what we did. It was only like, you know, maybe like two months from when I had the idea that we could put it out to just putting it up on Bandcamp and we raised money for feeding America with it. And um, we held back on some songs because I talked to my, to taking back Sunday's manager. And I think she was maybe like, maybe hold some songs back in case you do want to do something more with this. So we did, I think we put 10 songs out for the uh, feeding America version of it. And um, then after that, I don't know, I guess, uh, Oh, I know what happened is uh, this is the other thing is Victory Records um, owned that that stuff Oh, because we recorded it uh, while we were under contract with them. Mm -hmm. And that was one reason I think we never thought about it, too, is because we didn't necessarily want to get involved in sorting out all that stuff with with them. But um, this label Concord mm -hmm. bought Victory's catalog. And so they owned the record at that point and they didn't even know it obviously because they didn't have it. I had it on my computer. Uh -huh. um, and Concord also had, had taken back Sunday stuff. They put out that 20 album. I was gonna say that that's how they were able to do that 20 year record, right? Yeah. Just through them. Okay. So, and, and we had a good experience with that. So that's what started it. Once we talked to them about like, Hey, we've got this thing. And, uh, if you were interested, we could put it out. And then they, they, they were, and they were luckily like really uh, all for it, you know, like doing the double vinyl and the packaging. It's just like, they, they went all in on it. So it, it was really cool. That's awesome. That's, that's rad that you were able to keep that for so long and then just happen to be like, you know what, it's, it's, it holds up for sure. I mean, even on my own playlist, it's funny before like two weeks ago, I had my, my Spotify playlist coming through and for the it's for the best came on. And I'm like, God, I forgot how great 
this record is and how great Straylor Roman. And I went back and I, we were listening to the whole, this was like a week ago, two weeks ago, we listened to that whole first album just driving around. And then it was so funny that they're like, oh, you know, you have the opportunity to talk with John. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's like weird. <laughs> it was like one of those weird fate situations I felt like. And it's yeah. so rad that you guys are doing this, this live album. Um, to quickly touch on the, the pandemic, where, where were you at when that all happened? Were you doing stuff at Taking Back Sunday or a solo tour? Or where were you at when Taking, it all uh, hit? Taking Back Sunday had actually just gotten together in March, the beginning of March, for uh, our first writing session for a new album. And we did a week or so in the mm -hmm. studio together. And then Adam's family and my family went from there to do a vacation uh, on the coast in, in South Carolina. And so we had like a week planned there. And basically it was that week where, um, I don't know if you remember, but it was kind of crazy because at the beginning of the week, it was sort of like, oh, everyone's aware that uh, coronavirus is a thing. And, mm. uh, you know, we got to maybe be on the lookout for this and it could be uh, a problem and uh, by the end of the week there it was like restaurants were shutting down and NBA uh, canceled the season like that's when you know it was were, like what was happening everything went from it went from like zero to a hundred and um yeah we were on vacation together and we decided not to fly, which I'm glad we we did in retrospect, because we didn't know anything about the virus at that point. And uh, so we just stayed together with Adam's family for like another two weeks, basically. We all just lived together. And uh, then eventually my family and I uh, rented a car and, and drove back, uh, back home to Kansas. Wow. In those situations, is it just family time or no business when you guys are hanging out like that? Like when you're stuck, when you're stuck together for what you said, two weeks, did you, are you guys writing at all or is it just kind of like, no, not really. Um, we, we had uh, acoustic guitars and I usually in those situations, it ends up being a little more like uh, playing other people's songs that we know, you know, kind of just mess around with stuff like that. And uh, after we were together and the pandemic was going for a little while, uh, Adam started putting out some videos of him playing some cover songs. And I did some of those with him. Eventually, we ended up doing some live stream performances, just the two of us doing Taking Back Sunday stuff. Mm -hmm. So it kind of turned into a little more business stuff. But, but you know, like during vacation time, we, we yeah, just kept family it to family time. time. Sure, yeah. sure. Wow. And throughout the pandemic, um, did you, were you working on solo stuff at all? Or like, uh, aside from doing the live streams, what, how are you keeping yourself busy? Well, there was, uh, it was, it was weird. There was a lot of time where I just would not do anything very creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't feel motivated or uh, in the right frame of mind for it. And it was kind of a bummer because I had never had so much time to uh, sit down and, and just write and record. But a lot of times I just didn't feel, I just was not feeling up for it. Mm -hmm. um, but a few of it, uh, my, 
my wife had been getting more serious about the songs she was writing. And we started demoing some of those at home because she had this batch of songs. And then that started coming together. And I, I would play a bit on the songs with her and, and kind of record and produce them. And um, eventually we recorded an, an EP for uh, of her songs. I think that was probably in like the end of summer, maybe uh, fall of 2020. And uh, so that was a creative project that, that we, you know, spent a few months on. And then there'd be occasionally these like, um, this like week or so where I would have lots of ideas and motivation and record some demos and write some ideas down. And then it would go for another like month with nothing. And then, you know, a week or two of, of ideas and things. And uh, then somewhere along the way, uh, it was Anthony Green got in touch with me about uh, some stuff that we had recorded on our phones when we were on tour together years ago. And uh, then we started listening back to some of that stuff. And that eventually um, got going into recording songs for the, the project that ended up being fucking whatever. Yeah. So that was probably in like December of 2020. And that was a few months of recording from home with all of us and then getting that rolling. So that was uh, another, another project uh, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that was actually a really great creative outlet because it was pretty different than trying to sit down by myself and be like, okay, what ideas can I come up with today? You know? And uh, sure. so that was, that was kind of a lifesaver. Is that a project you guys are going to uh, do anything with aside from putting out that record? Yeah, we want to put out a, a full length uh, eventually. And I, we'd like to do it in person to record in person. We've, mm -hmm. We did everything obviously from home with emailing uh, ideas back and forth. But, so we'd like to get together when we have the time and put out a full length. Um, and we also, we, I think we have like five songs already towards a full length. We, we had an insane burst of creative energy. And I, I think from like December through February, we demoed, I, I think like 11 songs or something. And we put wow. out five of them for an EP. Yeah, you did the EP. And then is, do you guys hope to tour it or is it you're just going to come together as a, as a record or? We're talking about it. Um, obviously, because of the, the nature of the the recordings, like we did everything um, basically acapella uh -huh. and we didn't use any traditional instruments. Even the drums were um, Ben you know, hitting his table and glasses and walls and whatever he could come up with. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of the, the, what would be the music was kind of me doing oohs and ahs and layering them. Um, so to do it live would, we obviously have to figure out something that would be very different than a regular band performance. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about a lot of things and we're definitely going to do something but we we just have to figure out uh, how what we would do it and when. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, you guys are busy. Obviously, you have a big tour coming up with Taking Back Sunday and Jimmy yeah. World with Beaches. So, uh, but that'd yeah. be rad. I really love the the EP you guys put out with with that band. <laughs> very Thank creative. You. Very creative. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love it too. I'm, have you I'm had a chance? Fan. Yeah, have you had a chance to play any shows yet since the pandemic? 
we played one show in Florida in June, the beginning of June or it's the end of uh, May or beginning of June. And uh, it was a festival that we got offered kind of last minute. And uh, we decided to take it like things were to start with things at that point were actually looking better uh, pandemic wise than they are now, which is crazy. Right. I know. Um, and we were all vaccinated. So we felt good about getting together and doing a show. So we just did that, that one festival and it was great. And, uh, you know, our, yeah, our, our September in, uh, we got, I think the 17th is our first show since mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Wow. Was it, I'm sure pretty emotional getting up there for the first time in what a year plus. It was. Yeah. It, it, the thing that was crazy was, uh, it felt really surreal all day, like sound checking and then like looking at the show from backstage and just kind of seeing the opening bands playing and looking at a crowd again, it felt very surreal. But once we got on stage and, and after like a song, I, I was really surprised at how normal it felt. And uh, there was definitely like an emotion that I had that, you know, I would, and it was a little bit overwhelming at times, but overall it kind of was just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what we do. This is how it is. This is great. And, uh, I was really surprised because I thought it would feel different maybe and, and be weirder or I don't know something, but it was not, it was pretty normal, which is weird. Yeah. got back into your comfort zone zone kind of after yeah, <laughs> a couple of minutes kind of, there. Kind yeah. of quickly. Well, that's awesome that you guys are able to tour. Hopefully this Delta variant thing doesn't screw up too much uh, activity coming up here for everybody. But um, yeah, I moved to Nashville, so I'm bummed that I'm not going to be able to see you guys. You're playing San Diego, but oh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully you'll do something over here sooner than later. But um, I appreciate, John, you taking time to talk with me, man. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah, I have one more question before I let you go. Um, sure. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, any advice I have is kind of based on my own experience obviously i guess um so i would say uh you know don't go to college don't have a backup plan for yourself uh put all your eggs in one basket and i uh, hope it works out um i'm only half joking about that. um there has been times where i've thought though um that if i did have a backup plan that if I was good at something else, uh, good enough to make a living at it and, and make money, that I might have given up on playing music. Because um, like I said, that like three years from graduating high school to joining Taking Back Sunday sounds pretty quick. And in a lot of ways it is. But those three years when you don't have any real prospect of being successful and you don't have a career really and you're not uh looking at anything down the road that's gonna be a career it's pretty scary um but it also motivated me to keep going and uh so i do think there is something to that if you want to do it like really go all in on it and uh you know don't put too much of a safety net up for yourself because uh you might choose that over you know continuing to try to uh to play music and uh you know, so I, I think if you know it's what you want to do and it's what you love, then you kind of have to approach it like that.